Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, you know, despite the shutdown, it is still a great time of the year. It's wonderful weather. Did you and enjoy the Masters this week? Yeah, I relived last year's. I did, too, and I actually enjoyed it. You know, I, I was surprised how much I enjoyed watching the rerun of it. They actually had, like, 2004 Masters. I mean, it was kind of fun to watch that, to see the players it who was, was there. Was. Mickelson, I think, won maybe in four. I don't know. Well, and then you got the commentary on, on Sunday from uh, from Tiger from his win yeah. last year. Yeah, and that was. It was uh, but it, it kind of made me yearn for live TV, live sports again. <laughs> yeah, so that cherry pit spitting contest wasn't of interest to you? No, remember, no, no. Remember I watched that a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, that's right. No, so, <laughs> I think uh, that was a rerun as well. But. Exactly, but it is beautiful weather, and it's giving me more time to work out in the yard, so hey, you know. Um, I think everybody is working out in the yard and working in their homes. I think so. My yard looks the best it's looked in years, yeah. John. Well. So there you go, a little silver lining there <laughs> to the shutdown. But yeah, we have some great topics to talk about. Of course, um, you know, of course, we're not we're not giving up the uh, the talk of the the COVID nineteen and the shutdown. Um, obviously, that's that's you know front on our minds. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about what a reboot from COVID nineteen look like. You know, because there's a lot of talk out there about restarting the economy. So we want to talk about what that's going to look like, what it might mean for the markets and the economy going forward. And then we're going to switch gears and uh, look at uh, retirement um, from this standpoint. And a lot of people, Steve, were ill-prepared uh, even before this pandemic. And I saw I saw a study uh, this week, and it was from Swab, and they, they did a study. This was back in February before all this chaos happened. But they said if you um, came across a million dollars, would you save any of it? And 54% said they would not pay off any debt or save it. They would go spend it. So wow. that's a sign. I mean, it's like, so when we do come out of this, and we will, um, you know, we, we all need to get our house in order because we don't know when something's going to happen again. Not not to be a doomsdayer here, but I mean, yeah. it's kind of events when you look back at history. I mean, this is certainly unusual, but there's always 9-11 type events or, or wars going on or whatever's happening in the economy in the world. So when we do get back from the reboot, um, start stashing stuff away. So we'll dive into that more. Yeah, that emergency fund is incredibly important. That is one thing a lot of people have learned through this through this crisis we've been through. Um, but by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey Certified Counselor. I'm also uh, have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. Um, we have a, a link to the podcast. You can actually just listen from the from the uh, your, from your computer. So wherever you're sitting in your house, because probably that's where you are, right? Listening to this, um, you can listen to it at any time. You can download it in iTunes. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We post a uh, a video on a weekly basis. So go check that out as well. Yeah, moneymd.net. You can link to us there and send us your questions if you would like for us to answer those on the show. But we're going to start off here, John, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is interesting. If you were born in 1987, um, you'll be 33 years old this year. Um, So here are the stats. I mean, you've lived through five bear markets. Uh, There's been three recessions. Um, So some of those bear markets include the 1987 Black Monday, uh, the 9-11 terrorist attacks, um, you know, the 2008 uh, global recession, and now we have the 2020 
pandemic as well. And there's also been bull markets um, through that time, four bull markets. There's been four economic expansions and uh, some of the lowest interest rates in your history. And and guess what? You're 33 years old. Your life expectancy is 40, another 47 years. So you're going to be seeing a lot of stuff. You yep. know, so what That's we've right. seen historically, it doesn't repeat itself exactly, but we do see events. Um, and uh, what we do see historically is they do clear themselves up and, and society figures out a way to move on. So just some encouragement here. Um, 33 year old, you've seen a lot of stuff already. Now you were just born back in 1987, but um, just just uh, realize these things are normal, even though it's not a normal event. Um, these things happen in our history. Yeah, that's a good point, you know, because you really forget very quickly, you know, some of these major events we had, you know, the SNL crisis, 1990. How many people remember that? You know, there were like 1,500 SNLs, Mm -hmm. savings and loans that went bankrupt back then. Um, So there are just a lot of, you know, uh, there are a lot of events that people that are unusual um, in and of themselves that cause a crisis, um, but yet. You know, I mean, they happen, and we live through them. Yeah, I talked to a high school class this last week, and, you know, these these folks are 14, 15 years old. I'm yeah. like, y'all probably have never heard of Y2K, have you? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. And that turned out to be a very minor event, but it was really built up to be a big deal. It right? was. With all the oh. computer systems flipping over to a new— Oh, um, people were buying generators because didn't think they could be able to drive to yeah. the gas station yeah. on, uh, on uh, January 1st. So, uh, yeah, it was— very interesting indeed, but a lot going on. So that was that was a, a great fact of the week. And that leads up here to our first topic, John, and that is the economic reboot after COVID-19. Um, you know, and this is based on an article out of the Washington Post, Heather Long, um, very recently. But, John, you know, investors have been very optimistic um, about restarting the economy here in next month in May, potentially. And just, you know, seeing everybody going back to work. Um, because the markets have rallied over 20%, you know, since the lows of March 23rd. And, uh, I mean, we're also very optimistic, you know, that the worst of the infections seem to be behind us and that markets will continue that recovery at some point here in the near future. Um, however, I think most analysts agree that, uh, that a restart of the economy is not going to be as quick as flipping on a light switch. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, even if we do restart a lot of businesses quickly, you know, there's going to be some lingering effects um, from the shutdown, which will hurt businesses in the economy for a good while. Um, So, I mean, we're not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but, um, you know, but we also want people to recognize and not get too excited thinking that this is over for the stock market and that the economy is going to be, you know, well back at record levels here by June, Um, you know. (laughs) Um, it, it is impressive to see how much the market has rebounded since that low point on March 23rd. But, you know, we're just hitting earnings season and we're going to start to see the real effects of the shutdown in the economic numbers very soon. And experts are warning us that, you know, it's going to look very bad by any measure that you use. You know, not only will the numbers look horrible from the shutdown, but it's going to remain bad for months and months to come as people kind of pull back on their normal spending due to the levels of uncertainty that are out there. Yeah, and the good news is uh, we do see the infections uh, really starting to drop. I mean, there's there's some trends that have developed out there. So uh, the social distancing and some of the things that are happening and, and encouraged are, are working, it appears. Uh, governors as well, and the, as well as the president, they're talking about and they're getting uh, folks together about how and when to reopen the economy. 
And uh, both of those two things seem to cast aside the idea that uh, we could be shut down through June or July for most businesses. And it also means that we're, you know, we'll likely avoid the drawn out situation where people are so scared that they, uh, they pull back completely on their spending. So, but all the while, I mean, we do have 10 million people that are on unemployment, a big number. So it's obviously going to take some time to get those people back to work. Um, In fact, there's a concern um, you know, unemployment pays, you know, four months. Um, so some people are making more than what they were uh, before they were working and they got the, you know, people are getting the, the stimulus checks as yeah, well. Yeah. Amazing how quickly that happened too. I mean, it is amazing. That is a feat to do it in, in about a two believe, weeks. I can't believe the government could do it that fast, <clears throat> yeah. honestly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that if people stay on unemployment, don't go back to work, that could draw out the recovery as well, but I tell you, it is such good news that the stimulus is there to kind of fill this gap as we yeah, go through. That's I, a big I, deal. I think it has made a big difference, you know, in people's, you know, mental, you know, psyche and just in the economy in general. And yeah, that four months of additional unemployment that you talked about that's going to last for four months is huge because that really, you know, makes a lot of people whole with, with their with their income. Um, you know, for four months. Then I think the unemployment drops down to the regular unemployment, which is pretty low. It's like a thousand, eleven hundred dollars per month mm-hmm. in most states, and that's going to last, I believe, for about another another five months. So there's about nine months total of unemployment that you can get. But those first four months are really yeah. are a really big jump in unemployment, and you get you know for a lot of people almost their full pay for four months. So that's that's pretty big. So if you are laid off or furloughed, you want to go take a look at that. You want to you know file for unemployment and, of course, take advantage <laughs> of that to help get you through this tough period. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, if that works out to be true, then there there's going to be extremely high unemployment for at least three more months while people draw, you know, this higher level of benefits that's provided by the CARE Act. Um, and economists are, are saying that businesses won't just rehire everybody that they've laid off. Um, they won't return to 100 percent immediately. It's, you know, going to be more akin to, to rehabilitation, you know, uh, process where businesses begin maybe somewhere around 50 percent, economists are saying. And then from there, it kind of depends on, you know, the demand and, you know, the safety of the customers and what the government's saying that we can do and what measures have to be in, put in place. Um, but opening up the economy is likely to happen in waves, according to a lot of economists. You know, some sectors such as construction, manufacturing are likely to restart faster um, than, say, restaurants or hair salons or other service jobs that involve more human contact and maybe need more time to kind of sort out the safety measures there. Um, but for months to come, you know, business efficiency is going to be somewhat sacrificed by putting in place these measures to protect health. Um, so the reopening, you know, is also going to depend, though, on, on on customers feeling safe enough to venture out, you know, and that might also happen in waves. I mean, older Americans and those with underlying health conditions are, are probably going to need more assurances before they'll travel again widely, for example, and that is, you know, the older Americans are the ones that do the majority of traveling. So the travel industry is is going to be hurt for quite a while. Um, in fact, I just heard here just yesterday that the busiest airport in South Carolina is Columbia, South Carolina now. And they are only flying 15 flights a day. Mm. And some of those flights only have like a dozen people on them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so the airline industry, it's almost completely shut down. 
and it will certainly take a while to get them ramped back up. Yeah, and, and nearly all economists agree that widespread testing is going to be really uh, super important. Uh, some sort of vaccine treatments, medical uh, to, to truly get the economy back to normal levels. So people are going to feel safe going out to restaurants, concerts, baseball games. And uh, as consumers rev up the um, the nation's economic engine by spending as they did before. So I think it's safe to say that there's not going to be a lot of large gatherings uh, like sporting events anytime soon. Uh, I did hear that um, uh, the PGA is planning on maybe having a tournament in mid-June. Oh, are they? Yeah, without no. without patrons. They didn't say. Okay, they didn't say. So uh, they're they're you know that's still two months off, but uh, things are trying to ramp back up. I mean, they're yeah. trying to get this stuff going. And yeah, as the head of U.S. economics at uh, Renaissance Macro Research wrote in a note to uh, clients, basically said testing needs to pick up, and I think we all agree with that. That'll allow us to keep the spread of the virus down by finding carriers, and we you know we really can't open the economy. If every person that gets the virus is still spreading it to, to five other people. So, you know, the, the medical side of this is the piece that's um, kind of unclear at this point. And as, that, as the clarity happens on that, it's going to help with the clarity of the economy. Yeah, and I think testing is a big part of it, like you mentioned. And, uh, you know, they have this 15-minute machine now, you know, that Abbott Labs put out. And apparently all the states have a bunch of them now but they don't have the test kits. I was mm. reading, you know, that they still haven't produced enough test kits for it to be widely used. That's obviously in the pipeline. Once that gets out there, that's going to make a big difference. It's kind of like having a Pez candy dispenser without any candy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of disappointing. It is disappointing. You got the it unit, is. but you don't have so yeah, anyway, I, don't I don't know why wanna, that popped in my mind. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was encouraging when they developed it, but yeah, it's, you know, you got to think <clears throat> to develop millions of test kits, it does take a while, and I guess that's what what they're in the process of doing. But, yeah, before a vaccine is found, you know, the you have to expect that there's going to be a transition period. I mean, the government is likely to give its blessing for firms to try to reopening up if they can take serious preventive measure, measures, you know, similar to what many grocery stores are doing now by limiting the number of people in the store. Um, <clears throat> so this kind of, you know, zombie or limbo economy, um, that we're in is is sort of what the port of Los Angeles is currently living through, um, as they described. You know, so, uh, some ships are back, but not all of them. Some of the workers are back, but not all. Um, there are new procedures in place, <clears throat> especially for how to tie down cargo and in the world of social distancing. Um, the port's executive director predicts that it'll be at least a year before the volumes return to their pre-coronavirus levels. Um, they say volume was down 31 percent in March. Um, I'm surprised it wasn't down more, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he isn't predicting an April rebound, but he, he thinks that it will take most of 2020 to get back to those pre-COVID-19 levels. Yeah, and a lot of economists agree that uh, it's going to be a while before we get the 17 million Americans who have either lost their jobs or seen dramatic cutbacks in hours all back at work. I mean, the, the latest National Association of Business Economic Survey um, of leading economic uh, economists, they released that Monday, and they basically said the unemployment rate is going to hit about twelve percent this spring, and it'll fall down to the nine nine uh, percent level by the end of the year. So, it means you know, uh, several more months of people being out of work. Um, but that's where the, some of the government, I think, stimulus comes in to um, you know getting money in people's pockets, right? So they can at least live until we get everything back in order. 
Yeah, to shore that up. Yeah, and, you know, President Trump um, is planning to strongly advise, is the way I would put it, John. Um, he might call it to demand, dictate, yeah. dictate but uh, let's face it. I mean, he doesn't really control the governors and the states. But anyway, at least I don't think he does. But anyway, he plans to strongly advise the states on an ongoing plan in the very near future. But there's some question as to which governors will follow his lead. You know, it se- he seems to want a very quick restart of the businesses, um, you know, kind of all at once. But, you know, it's likely that states are going to take a much more graded approach. I mean, governors now seem to be talking and kind of gravitating around the idea of developing their own plans in groups around the country, like the seven governors in the Northeast mm-hmm. who have banded together and they're coming up with a plan. No one, though, is committed to an exact date of when they're going to reopen. Um, but it appears to be that around the beginning of May will be the initial start date for some of the states. And it will likely start with businesses like manufacturing and retail sales. Um, Restaurants might come a little later, you know, as the number of infections continue to drop. But there's likely going to be some new guidelines limiting concentration of people in establishments to maintain the social distancing. And masks may also be a requirement for manufacturing workers, along with some other requirements like social distancing, maybe even more ventilation in mm-hmm. in places. Um, you know, governors have faced a lot of backlash over their decisions about which businesses are essential and which must remain closed. Um, but it's going to be, you know, equally tricky, tricky to make calls about which businesses can try to reopen and under what conditions. So that's what they're grappling with. Yeah, and there's proposals uh, out there floating, um, uh, having restaurants and airlines open at 50% capacity where every other seat or table is filled. Um, but ultimately, there will need to be some kind of guidance on proper security measures. Uh, a lot of business owners and experts say, and many businesses have implemented their own safety measures but it varies widely. Um, so I, I do think that there is going to have to be a plan um, and prescribed things for this to work. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think there's probably going to be some variation between states, too, yep. um, just like there was on the shutdown level. Um, they give an example here, this guy, Kelvin Vauner, who uh, has run a uh, hunter-gatherer brewery in Columbia, South Carolina, hmm. um, for 25 years. His biggest fear is the government is leaving it up to business owners to decide whether to open again. And he's a he's a beer expert. You know, he's brewed every batch since they began 25 years ago. He says he's not an epidemiologist, um, but he's tried to take precautions. When he first heard about COVID-19, he installed devices to open doors himself by, you know, by their, by their foot um, to set out hand sanitizer. Um, but, you know, he just points out he can only do so much, you know, and, and so he'd assume that, you know, they're going to be one of the last industries to reopen because it's a restaurant and brewery and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but none of us have any idea whether they'll be able to open, you know, at limited capacity of 50 percent or 10 percent is what he says. So, you know, in my opinion, John, I mean, I think we need to reopen most businesses soon, and but we need to do it with a lot of safety measures in place. We obviously need to protect the most vulnerable people out there, um, perhaps high risk individuals may need to stay, you know, shut in, mm-hmm. you know, um, and away from from uh, the public. Um, but for businesses, you know, about 98% of businesses out there really don't involve close contact or they don't have to. Um, so I believe that we can open those soon with the proper safety measures in place. Of course, no one knows exactly what the restart of the economy is going to look like at this point. 
But the good news is, I mean, you know, some type of restart is in sight. Um, and I suspect once that restart begins, there's going to be tremendous pressure to get it off the ground quickly, mm-hmm. you know, as other states start to catch on and, yep. and want to get in the game um, with their economy. So, you know, I, I know I'm still counting on our beach vacation in late May, <laughs> you know, so I, for one, will be voting for beaches and restaurants to reopen very soon. Is there a place May. to vote on this? Is well, there I don't know. If we have poll? online voting, I'm, I'm voting, voting for opening. That's right. And <laughs> we'll be keeping our social distance, of course. We'll, but, you know, we'll probably take our chances with that. And, you know, I'll bet that most Americans are going to be with me on that sentiment. Yeah, they're starting to have protest places about keeping things closed. So there's definitely uh, pent up uh, energy and demand out there. So um, definitely. And that kind of leads us into the question of the week. It yep. kind of feeds right into it. And, uh, you know, Steve, college football season is not that far away. No, I'm, Gosh, I'm starting you know, to get nervous. Yeah. I am five months away. And yeah. um, so the question is, is, um, you know, will the college football season start on time and then in usual fashion with the fans in the stands. And it really it kind of boils down to what kind of life are we going to have? And I, you know, we were talking about this earlier. I, I do believe the testing is going to be important. Right. I think over in South Korea, everybody wears masks. I think that's going to be required. I, I think it probably should be. And then temperature, <clears throat> um, yep. you know, going into places. I don't know if you're going to be able to pack, um, was Clemson Stadium hold like 40,000 people? Uh, that would Something be like 81,000, John. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't think you'll be able to pack 80,000 people into a stadium without no, some additional I, measures. So I'm not, um, I'm not seeing it. I, you know, honestly, I think they're not going to be able to have you know, anything near that, that level of concentration. I don't know how they're going to do that. You know, they, I've saw, I saw something online last night that talked about college football being played in, in the uh, spring of next year. I'm like, I just, yeah. How do you do that? You can't cram everything into 2021. I mean, no, you can't. I, I think they ought to play it, but I think they ought to limit, limit fans severely, you know, in the stands, Maybe cut the ticket numbers down to half. Mm-hmm. Maybe only use every other seat. Yeah, you know, still keep social distancing. Require everybody to use hand sanitizer on the way in. I, I don't know. I mean, I think there it can be done, but my gut feel is politicians won't allow that to happen, yeah. and it'll probably be no no fans. You know, in sporting events, they'll probably be playing without fans. But I, I hope that's not the case. I hope they'll allow some. You yeah. know what I mean? Just yeah. maybe cut it down to half because it kind of it kind of takes away some of the excitement if you don't have fans cheering. Mm, oh, no you know? doubt. So, um, yeah. So that's that's my, my vote, but that's... Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Good question of the week. All right, and that leads us up to our next topic here, and that is uh, many Americans unprepared for retirement, and that was before COVID-19. Yeah, this comes from uh, Market Watch, uh, Alessandra Melito, and, um, you know, workers, I mean, you know, they are in a crisis. Um, a lot of people, and it's not at any fault of their own, which is why the stimulus plan is fantastic. Um, but, you know, you know, Steve, we look at the statistics, and one of the facts that we see is um, that half of Americans uh, said they retired before they were ready because of factors outside of their control. Uh, and um, certainly this coronavirus um, pandemic was outside their control, but we also see health issues. We see um, you know, layoffs, which is, um, you know, historically not as a result of this type of event, but people just go through business changes, but they don't control when they retire. And we're seeing that right now. Yeah, that's right. According to this survey, say more than a third of people said that an unanticipated job loss pushed them into retirement. And a fourth said that a healthcare crisis or issue pushed mm-hmm. them into retirement. According to this study, 
And they surveyed 100 people, 1,000 people, and it was conducted in January. And still many of the workers believed that, you know, they'd be able to retire when they want to, um, either because they they had the financial means or, you know, because they want to have fun while they still can. Um, but obviously that, you know, the response says that yeah. that may not happen. That's right. And, uh, you know, as we've seen with the current health crisis, um, the unexpected happens and, um, you know, it has the potential to derail our plans. I mean, whether it's a wedding, um, you know, one of the sad things about this is when someone passes away, they, they don't have their loved ones. They're yeah. in a hospital very, with them. Very um, sad. Yeah. And now retirement's been impacted as well. And more than 17 million people have filed for unemployment in the U.S. And at least 1.2 uh, million of those are in the uh, age bracket closest to retirement. So a lot of people close to retirement have been impacted and, um, you know, this is a perfect example of why you have to be able to, to pivot when the time comes to actually retire. And the planning part of that, you know, you, you should go through some different scenarios. We have people that have retired with us in the last year. And, you know, one of the keys is, is having a process in place. So when this does happen, you don't panic and you can kind of get through it with a process. So that's important. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, losing a job or having a health scare can really change the trajectory of your retirement. You know, many Americans, um, they kind of use their 50s to catch up, you know, including the catch-up contributions that are allowed in your 401k plan and your retirement accounts. Um, because children are out of their house, maybe their mortgage student loans are, are paid off or dwindling down, um, you know, they're more able to, to kind of play catch-up. Um, but, you know, taking leave, time off, um, you know, have the potential to halt those contributions, in some cases deplete their retirement savings before they're able to do that, you know, some because of a, dist, uh, a hardship like we're going through now with this COVID-19. Yeah. So if you're, um, you know, have a temporary leave or unemployment, I mean, it's a great time to sit down and look at your cash flow needs, um, look at retirement, assess your di- different options. Um, you know, are there any severance packages, uh, unemployment benefits, health care coverage, um, Dave Ramsey has great material out there. I've been listening to a lot of his podcasts lately as well, and uh, he's given some of his um, information for free out there. I think that's probably past now, but he's got great information on processes. We obviously can help you through this as well. And, you know, there's two kind of two phases of, um, of financial, uh, you know, um, life, if you will. One of them is accumulation phase or wealth accumulation. The other one's decumulation. When you're in retirement, you're pulling money out. So right. the, mm-hmm. the decumulation phase when, is when you're actually going to spend your own money. That's when it's really important to have a process in place. And so our process involves pulling it from the bonds. You know, bonds have pretty much held held their value. And uh, so you got to have kind of a process in place to get through these unexpected events. Yeah, you got to have a system in place for managing it in retirement, for sure. Yeah. And plans can change too, you know, so you got to be aware of that. I mean, only about 65% of the respondents of this survey said that they expected to work in retirement part time. Um, but the closer retirement is, the less interested people tend to be you know, of extending their careers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we see that too, you know, oh, people yeah. that say they're planning to work, but then they only do it for a couple of years and then it, it doesn't last very long before they really want to just, you know, check out and retire and enjoy the good life. Um, but savings is also a concern. You know, six out of 10 people said that they're afraid of running out of money before they die, yet 42% are within 10 years of retirement and they said they can't put any more money into the portfolios or, you know, another third of retirees 
say they can't catch up on their retirement goals in time. So they're behind. They find themselves in an unfortunate situation where they can't continue to add money to their retirement. Yeah. And so, you know, not not all hope is lost during this crisis. Um, You know, there are still some Americans on track. Um, you know, the ones that we see that are not stressed about this, uh, they have emergency funds, they've paid off debt, they have a plan. Um, and uh, while this situation is not comfortable, um, her Dave Ramsey m- mentioned that it's in, an inconvenience if you have your finances in order. Right. Um, that's a, it was an right. interesting choice of words, inconvenience. So it's not a life event necessarily for It's not a disaster. It's not a disaster. That's right. So um, use this time to um, to kind of pull your resources together. If you need help with that, certainly reach out to us. Dave Ramsey's organization is is great with that also. Um, so so uh, check that out. Um, on our website, we have a lot of resources um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good topic. And that brings us to a close here for this week's edition of money. Oh, we do have the prescription, prescription of the week. Yeah, right. just one more. Yeah, one more. One, one more quick thing here. So the CARES uh, provision um, allows a taxpayer um, who has um, you know been negatively impacted by the COVID-19 uh, virus to actually pull up to $100,000 out uh, before at 59 and a half without the 10% withdrawal penalty. And the cool thing is uh tax bill can be spread out over three years and you can return it to the <laughs> To the account. Yeah, so that's work a with the CPA deal. on that. That's a I big mean, deal. You get is. to spread it out over three years. You can put it back in. So basically, it can be a loan from your account. You know, you're kind of borrowing the money. Yep. Obviously, it's not there growing. So you, you're yep. going to miss. And you're going to pay taxes on it. Well, you, but but then if you get if you put it back in, you don't have to pay taxes right, on right, it. Right, right, so, right. So it's a good option. It's a neat provision. It's a neat provision. If you need money out of your plan, it's there. So keep keep that aware and keep be aware of that. You don't want to just take it out if you don't need it. Yep. Um, but at the same time, it's a it's a nice op, uh, option if you really need money and find yourself in a tough situation uh, during this current crisis. Okay. Well, again, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, or give us a call. Richard Young Associates at 706 739 Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 706-739-0725.